is there. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Let's go to two texts. Ephesians 6, verses 2 to 4. And, and then let me ask you to put your finger there and then go to Luke chapter 11, verse 11 through 13. Ephesians 6, verses 2 to 4, and Luke chapter 11, verses 11 through 13. So I'll read the Ephesians passage first, and then uh, we'll go to the Luke passage. Um, This is the Word of God. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Famous text. Let's go to Luke chapter 11. This is Jesus speaking, and we're going to kind of jump in in the middle of a discourse that he's giving about prayer. But in particular, I want you to focus on this, this set of verses And it'll kind of form the outline of our our message today. Verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Let me read that last verse one more time. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Let's pray for today's message. I'm going to talk about something that's just so missing in our society. Honoring our fathers even though they are, though maybe they may be flawed, maybe even badly, deeply flawed. But we don't even know what honor is, I think, in our society. And uh, what a terrible place we are in. And we barely know that. And we especially have problems with authority in our society. And often it goes back to the first and most important authority that you have given us, Lord, that of our Father. And I pray, Lord, that today you would help us that you would sow your spirit to have a heart of softness and forgiveness and that we would return failure unto us with grace as it has been given from you, our Father, Eternal Father, our Heavenly Father, the Father we most need. Will you be a Father to us so that we may learn to give love back to our fathers, be brother and sister to them, um, Lord, we pray for this blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. My wife and I, we watch, well, I watch the shows she likes. I don't get to watch a whole lot of TV. So I just watch the shows she likes. And one of the shows she likes is Blue Bloods. Does anybody watch Blue Bloods in this in this church? I'll bet you we're the only people who watch that show. Um, But let me just tell you 
a, a, little, a little thing that came out of the show. Actually, it's from this week's episode to start this message. Blue Bloods is a family. You know, last week I was talking about how TV shows don't depict good fathers, and actually, I was thinking, there is actually. This show depicts good father, although it's not really about parenting. Um, it depicts a family of cops, and for some reason my wife likes crime dramas, <laughs> all right? Um, I think she likes watching the good guys get the bad guys or something like that, all right? And so if you watch, a lot of our shows happen to be crime dramas for some reason. Um, but I like the show not for the crime aspect of the show. The, sh- the, the, the part of the show that I find interesting is the intergenerational because it's a family of cops. So the star of the show is Tom Selleck, and Tom Selleck plays the New York City police commissioner. That's the top cop in the city. He plays a New York City police commissioner, um, and he's even ahead of the chief. I don't exactly know how the commissioner you know, relates to the chief, but he's even on top, you know, he's even the boss of the chief. And he's the New York City police commissioner, and he has, he has uh, three sons and a daughter. Uh, one of the sons has passed away and was killed in a crime. You know, he was a cop. And he has another son who is one of the top detectives. And then, um, and then he has another son, his youngest son, left. He went to Harvard Law School, left a lucrative potential career as a lawyer so that he could be a cop. And he's actually fairly low on the rung as a cop. Right? That's like, so it's, all, it's the whole family. And the daughter, get this, the daughter is like assistant district attorney, so she puts bad guys away. Right? So that's all interesting. And so they have these Sunday family dinners, and their family is Catholic. Right? And they sometimes talk about justice, and they talk about the problems of what, and the difficulties of being in the family business, so to speak. But, um, and it goes even more than that. Frank Reagan, that's who Tom Selleck plays, has a father. And the patri- so his father is the patriarch of the family and the grandfather to his sons and daughters, and then they each have shows. So there's like multiple generations in this family at that table. And the father is, is named Henry Reagan, and Henry also was police commissioner. So isn't that interesting? Uh, and every now and then, when it's, in, it's, it's interesting because what they have is at various points in the show, and this is the part that I find intriguing about the show, is one generation after another turns to dad, right? To their father or to, the, and to often to Tom Selleck. But it's even interesting because Tom Selleck is the key star of the show and he, it is his problem as commi- police commissioner, but he has to turn to his dad sometimes to figure out what does it mean to be an honorable and just man and lead you know, a great city's police force. And in this past week's episode, he has this conversation And his father, Frank, says to Tom, Selleck's character, um, no, his father Henry says to Frank, he says, what do you remember of your grandfather? In other words, he's talking about his own dad. What do you remember of him? He's like, he uh, he liked fishing. I had great times with him. And and then um, his own father says something to him about his grandfather, which, you know, Frank Reagan had never heard before. He says, your grandfather was a useless drunk and we moved around a lot because I couldn't keep a job because of the drinking. 
And when he was age, when I was 15 years old, he left. He left our family. And I had to drop out of school. Your mom worked really hard to send us to Catholic school. And I had to drop out of school to help pay for school. Or I had to get a job to help pay for school. And a number of years later, um, my, your, your grandfather, my dad, came back. Um, but it was never the same. I could never look at him the same way anymore because I had lost all respect for him. And Frank Reagan looks at his dad and he goes, I, and he's stunned because you never told me these things. And um, I just had just these good times with my grandfather. And he goes, I, I didn't want you to see your grandfather that way. And I didn't tell you those things because I wanted you to have a good relationship with your grandfather and I wanted you to have good times with him and have good memories with him. But there he is. You know, that's, that's why I didn't tell you. I'm starting off this message with this little story because probably maybe many of you can relate to this, that in one way or another, the whole world may see your father as a good, good guy. Okay? Some people maybe even have children and they don't tell their own children the fact that they feel deeply let down by their parents and particularly their father. That they have that their father was flawed in some deep way, in some big way. And this is a wound that they carry into their own relationship to their father and is a wound in a sense of their life. Maybe it's not a wound that they think about too much or they don't want to think about or or it's so raw and so big, it's hard to go there. They don't go there. And um, it's this that I want to talk about today. I want to talk about this today. Tough subject, isn't it? Right? I hope many of you, you hear this and you're saying, I have a great relationship with my dad and I love my dad and I admire him and I don't have a hard time honoring him. I want to honor him. I hope that this message is not so raw and is not so relevant for you today. I hope that's the case. But... I know that for many people who will hear this message, that's not true. This message will be all too relevant. And if you are called, as this verse says, it says right there, honor your father and mother. In particular, I want to call you to honor your father. And it says that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. That is a promise. Now, let me just back up a little bit. That is a citation out of the Old Testament, out of Exodus and Deuteronomy. And Paul is saying, the Bible commands this, that we would honor our father and mother and that it would offer us great promise. And it is a you that you may live long. That's a plural you. It isn't just an individual you. you. It's not like a if you honor your father and mother, that you individually will live long. It's a you, you as a people will thrive. And if you would honor your father and mother, your whole people would live long and prosper and do well in the land. That's, what it's, that's the promise. And in our society, as I talked about last week, we have no idea how to do this. And 
Um, our whole society, our neighbors, our families, our next generation, our children, we are under threat because we have no idea how to do this. We don't want to do this. Not only do we not honor our fathers and mothers, we often hate our fathers and mothers. We disdain them or we just tolerate them at best. Or we want to forget them because they are a source of pain. Especially maybe our dads. And um, today, you know, that is the, I'm saying the, this, this verse, obey, honor, well it says obey in verse 1. And I did that because we aren't so many of us speaking to not, it says talking about children. And many of you are not children. You are children of your father and mother. But, uh, you know, not so much obeying your parents because I think when you're very little, you have to obey their, them. As you grow older, it's not so much a res- uh, as you grow into adulthood, the relationship is less sheer obedience, but it is more honor. And, you know, the what. Today I'm just calling you. We've been talking for weeks upon what does it mean to have God as our Father. There's no way to understand and to truly have a completion of God as your father until you can honor your own father. I think it is a key acid test. Do you really know how to receive God as your father and then turn to your own father and honor him even if he stinks? Hmm. Even if he stinks. Wow. Right? So that's the call. The what is to honor your father Mother, particularly your father. But as I start off, the problem. The problem is, what if, what if he was a drunk, and I have no respect for him anymore, just as Henry Reagan has. Hmm? You know, there's, we have a. This is a deep problem in our society, and maybe you have it, and maybe, just maybe your father was abusive. Verbally or physically or both. Maybe you, your father wasn't bad to you, but he couldn't get along with mom or dad for one reason or another, and hence he got divorced and thus he wasn't around. So he was a father, but not much of a father because he wasn't around. Or he just left. So you have this hole in your heart, in this place, but... You know, where your father was supposed to be, his presence was supposed to be, his faithfulness, his love, his instruction, his guidance, his counsel, his protection, and an authority. Oh, that's a bad word in our society. Authority. But the authority from your dad was either missing or it was just the last thing you wanted. It was bad. Hmm. How about your father was around? You know, your parents didn't split up. Your father was around. But as it is in many Asian American families, he is, he was emotionally distant. He was basically a breadwinner, but not much more than that. How about that? Hmm. How do you honor somebody whom you barely know? How do you honor somebody who never lets you in? He always has things to tell you what to do, but he doesn't let you into his heart. How do you know how to honor somebody like that? You don't even feel close to him. He is, how about a father, maybe he goes to church, but he's not a Christian. 
or you're not sure if he's a Christian. Or he goes to church, he is a Christian, and he is a terrible Christian. He's a Pharisee. And you know that he's pr- primarily a, a hypocritical person. And you know his hypocrisy because you're his child. <laughs> you have a front row seat. You know how he acts the good part on Sunday. But you know his hypocrisy on Monday. Hmm. How about that? Or one more, um, let me just offer to especially, and I know this is, oh, this could be particularly hard for Asian Americans, right? for Asians. Your father is emotionally distinct and he wields an authority and he's primarily all about performance. Performance. Works achievement. He's all about what you have to do and he doesn't give you deep, secure love and he doesn't motivate you to obey by grace. What he does is he motivates you constantly by fear, guilt, obligation, or maybe what he does, he bribes you to get you to respond to your own self-interest. Hmm? This, is, this is a typical way. I, when I look at so many Asian fathers, it's some combination of fear, guilt, obligation, or bribe towards self-interest to get you to perform. Hmm. It's like That's like the name of the game. That's what being a father is besides paying the bills. And what if that's the case? And and over the years, maybe when you were little, it was okay. I mean, you didn't know any different. This is your dad. And he's important. But now, you know, you're more likely to tune him out, ignore him, or you've lost respect for him. And this honor thing, this is... How do you do that? Right. And so that's the problem. Now let me offer you a why. And then what I'd like to do is offer you three, three resources from this passage where Jesus speaks. Right. So it says here in Verse 11 through 13 of Luke chapter 11. If you then who are evil. That's what we mean. You evil falling short. I mean, that's how Jesus talks about us. You are evil. (laughs) That's how Jesus talks about us. You then who are evil. And um, let me offer you a why. Then let me offer you three resources for the how. A why. Why honor your father father and mother, particularly your father, even if he's deeply flawed, right? Um, you know, there's a whole way that the Bible talks about authority. And our society hates authority. The one thing we want to do is we, we think that we can cast off all authority because the only authority we want to answer to is our own. Authority to answer to me. And it's weird in our society. Our society thinks if you tell yourself you're okay, then you can be okay. You know what that's like saying? The only authority you can answer to yourself is the authority to tell yourself you're okay. That's, it's crazy. The only, it's a self-lordship thing. But we need authority. The way the Bible talks about authority is authority is supposed to be something good. It's somebody bigger than you. Somebody above you 
can tell you who you are. Somebody above you can tell you what to do. Somebody can give you good wisdom and counsel and can shape you. And when they give you a word and tell you that they love you, they tell you that you've done well. They tell you that you belong to them. They tell you that you are whole, that your mind can receive that. Your heart can receive that. Your whole life can receive that. And then you'll be made whole. So apart from authority, human beings, you just cannot be whole. So let me just say that. Just, just, just dwell on that for just a second. Think about the type of society we live in. And I just said that apart from good and just and wise and beautiful authority coming deep into your heart to make something that is that has a huge hole, you can't be made whole. You cannot be whole until someone bigger than you comes in and helps fill you. You can't. You just can't be. And if that is true, and let me just say this to you, who do you know that is whole? Hmm? Almost everybody that you know is broken and not whole. They have huge holes. They don't know how to respond to authority. And the key authority that God has given your life to shape and give you this blessing, the first authority and the key authority they gave, that God has given you to shape this in you is your Father. Right? Now, how do I know this? The whole Bible talks about in various different ways of honoring those who are in authority over you. But um, the Bible talks ultimately that what all these authorities come from God and, the, and they come back to Him so that this is a thesis I want to offer to you, the why. If you do not know how to practice honoring your father and receiving authority from him, even when he is flawed, right? what it is is a signal that you will be, you're very deeply conditioned that you have not known how to get it from God. I think there is an actually fundamental connection between how you respond to your own father and how you will learn how to walk with God and receive him as your deepest father. There's a fundamental connection there. You know, it is not a coincidence that we have no TV shows that depict good fathers and our whole society hates authority and our whole society hates fathers and all of our fathers suck and that we are a post-Christian, anti-Christian, hate-God society. Those things are not, that's not coincidental. That absolutely just goes right together. And you can say, what started? We hated God as our father, as our God, and then thus we'll hate our own fathers and hate authority, and then we'll fall apart as a side. Is that the case? We rejected the truth of the Bible and Christianity, and thus we're destroying our society? Or is that we will first start to hate our own fathers, and then it'll seep back to hating our Heavenly Father? I'm not sure which one starts first, and then which, which one is the cause, and which one is the effect, but it all goes together. Let me just say to you that you need to, in order to receive God as your Father, and to really have that, you know, part of it is, a deep key of this is to begin to turn in your relationship to your own Father. And then as you begin to do that, it'll, God will empower and deeply help you to see Him as your Father. It's, a, it's, a, it's an odd connection. Right? Um. That's a why, a profound why. Are you broken to bless your neighbors and your own? Don't you want to know God? 
Don't you want to taste God? Now, I'm not saying if, until you get it right with your dad, God won't show himself to you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not, talk, I'm not speaking works righteousness. In, in Christianity, we, we don't do the thing that God calls us to do because we have to earn something that we're going to receive from our own father. What we're always saying is God first gave to you, so now receive from him. And then as you do so, then you receive more from him. I'm saying first he's given to you his own fatherhood through Jesus. And now, but he'll do all the more, all the more if you, call, if you follow him. And one of the key ways to follow him is this, to turn and begin to be a seed of powerful healing toward your own father, toward your own mom, your mom and dad, but particularly toward your own father. That's the why. Let me, um, now let's, let's talk about how. Okay, so let me offer you three keys from this scripture, Luke chapter 11. Verse 13, Jesus says, If you then who are evil, we have evil and flawed and failing fathers. Right? But let me offer you this. Number one, let me offer you three resources. Number one, and this, you don't have to be a Christian so this will help you even if you're not a Christian. But number one, Jesus says this, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. The first one, let me just say, first just look at your father and your mother and even if they stink, even if they have failed you, haven't they ever given you at least one good gift? Hmm? Haven't they? I do not know of a person who's a father who doesn't know that they're supposed to give you at least one good gift, at least something. And every parent that I've ever met, I mean, there's probably some that are out there, they, they're just horrific, and maybe they just abandon, and they knock some woman up, and then that's it. And then they just completely abandon, so they never, besides that biological act, right? and I guess even there, there's a good, there's a blessing, because there's probably some quality in his biology that is in you, and you have that quality and you inherit it, so even then you've received some good gift. But let me just first, number one, remember, please, that God, your Father in heaven, gave you a Father, and through Him, He, your Father on earth, though He is flawed, gave you something good, even if it's small, right? And if you would begin to remember that, one, it's a window, it's a reminder that your Father in heaven, He is that infinitely so. He gives you that which is good, infinitely so. It's a picture, a window to your Father in heaven. If you can take one picture, and this is one of the big problems. So many people look at God as their Father, and they can't see Him as their Father. They can only see God as their judge. They can see Him as someone powerful. But can He be my dad? Can God be my dad? Because their own dad is so flawed, they don't even understand this. It's this, this, this picture, this lens is, is broken and missing. And so many ways, this thing is so bit missing. Um, you know, there, there's, a, there's a guy that I knew years ago. He was, the, um, he was the leader of the Harvard Graduate Christian Fellowship, the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship at Harvard. And he told me about a woman that was in the Christian Fellowship. And he noticed over time, after listening to her pray and talk, that she never called God Father. She would always call him God. And over time, 
he noticed that she had a very she had problems with men. And he suspected she had been abused by her father. And she had had bad relationships with men. And she had a pretty strong dose of feminism in her. And so here she was. She wanted God. She needed God. She longed for God. She would come to Christian fellowship to meet God. But she wouldn't call him father. Isn't that incredible? Right? That's a particularly extreme version of this. But I don't think... I think in a lot of ways, we have this problem, this lens of seeing God and letting him see that he is a God who gives you good gifts as a father gives. Not as one who rewards, not as a judge, but as a father gives. If you can't see your own father and begin to honor him because he loves you with gifts, you're going to have this hole and he will be to a cloudiness against God. A lot of us have this. So, Number one, would you see your father as having given you some good gift just because he's your father and he loves you? Even if it's a small one, and begin to look at your father through that lens. You know, to begin to look at your father, not through all the ways that he yelled at you, said the most horrifically awful words to you, the ways he was always absent, or the things he did not give you, his love, and his security, but maybe he gave you something. And what he gave you, would you begin to see him through that way? So that instead of seeing all the flawedness, all the ways that he failed, you'd begin to see a father. As poor as he may be, a father. And he gave you this gift as a father. You know, um, let me just share with you a story that I have. Um, I had a breakthrough with my own father when I was in my college years. And, you know, I've had had multiple breakthroughs with my father. My dad is a Christian, and he's a godly man, he loves the Lord. But that doesn't mean he's always a good father. (laughs) And my dad and I um, are very different kinds of people, unbelievably different kinds of people. It's like, how did I come from that guy? (laughs) And we don't... And though I'm a Christian and he is a Christian, um, throughout much of our life, we have largely just clashed. We can't even, you know, know how to follow Jesus in the same way. Um, And we largely clash. And it's so easy for my dad and I. He'll start start saying something, and then I'll disagree with him because I don't get what he's saying. But the way I disagree with him, I step on his things, or he thinks I step on what he's saying. And next thing you know... He is on me, and that's it. Like, that's like the end of the good conversation, right? And then it's just hot, awful feelings for at least two weeks. And when I was younger, longer. Um, But when I was in my college years, the Lord gave me something. He gave me this, a picture of my father. Helped me to see him this way, that he gives, though he is evil... (laughs) Gives me good gifts. Um, And it's helped me to look at him. And though there are many times I have not wanted to honor him because we have hard times, and I think sometimes it's me being my wickedness and sometimes it's him. And sometimes it's both, him and me reacting to his wickedness and me reacting to his wickedness with my wickedness. Right? Um, When I was in college, my dad, you know, helped me get a job, a part-time job. And 
My dad, for a number of years, uh, was a clerk at the Santa Clara County Traffic Court. It's a really boring, dead-end kind of job. You push paper all the time. You're like, you, you, you file papers and do all this stuff. It's a really boring kind of job. Now, he got me a job. Now, so he, as part of his job, would sometimes have to go to the municipal court, and he helped me get a job at the municipal court. So for two summers, I basically got to do a job that I realized was very similar to his job that he woke up every single day and did for years. And many, and there's key portions of that time, he did that job on overtime. He did overtime to save extra money to, you know, to invest in our family's business, right? So for two whole summers, I got to do a job and get to experience something like what my dad wakes up every single day to do. And I realized, this kind of sucks. It doesn't kind of suck. It actually sucks a lot. It is boring. And it is drudgery. And everybody who works there just is waiting for their breaks and wants to get off the job, including me. (laughs) And I realized this is what my dad does every day. And it started making me think, my parents, my dad left Korea, a country where he made a better living, where he had more honor from his position to come to this country to do this every day. And he did never compl- I never heard my dad complain about his job. I never, my dad almost never missed work. My dad did not cut corners. In that way, my dad wasn't lazy. He got up and he would do this thing. And I got a taste of this thing. And I realized, this is what my dad gave up to love me, to give me a better life. And I got this one other thing that the Lord, my Father in heaven, gave me as a gift to help me see my dad. Those one day when I was hanging out, you know, it was like break. You know, so you get like a 10-minute break or something with some of my coworkers. A lot of these are these ladies, right? So all these, apparently a lot of ladies get this job. These older, middle-aged, and sometimes older ladies. And occasionally they had talked to my dad, and they, had so, they have some little you know, kind of acquaintanceship with my dad. And one day they were saying, and this is, I, had, you know, I was in college at this point, and one of these ladies was saying, your, your father is really proud of you. And I said, oh, really? He goes, yeah. You know, one day when, you're, when you got into college, you know what he did? He brought donuts over to our office. And remember, he's at traffic court. He brought donuts over to the ladies at municipal court. He doesn't have to do this. He has to just come over. Because occasionally he would have to make a delivery from paperwork there to here. Your dad brought donuts over. And he said, hey. And they were like, hey, Hong. That's his name, Hong. What? What's with the donuts? And he goes, my, my son got into college. And I just want to celebrate. And then he goes, and he started to cry. I've never seen my dad cry over me. So I still have this picture, which I wasn't there for, but this lady told me that my dad did this. He brought donuts, all these middle-aged white ladies, and he, because he loved me. That was it. So his whole life, he did this job 
and him bring these little donuts so that his son could have a better life than him. Sorry. I haven't told that story in a long time. And so, you know, that one thing about my dad, it just goes a long way for me. And there have been times that my dad has hurt me. I mean, he's hurt me bad. I mean, really bad. But that thing, that one thing, because I can see him as a father, it just goes a really long way. And on the days when I don't get him and when I'm angry at him and when I don't want to speak to him, I go to the well of that, which I so believe that God gave me, that my Father in Heaven gave me. I go to that well and I see my Father through that lens and it helps me to honor him. So let me just test the first one. Your father gives you some good gifts. And ask, if you can't see it, ask the Lord to help you see it. And love him for it. Two more. It says here, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father, how much more will your father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now let me just give you a little piece of theology on this. Whenever the Bible talks about giving you the Holy Spirit, that's sort of like shorthand for everything, the biggest, the most important, everything that is rich that you receive through Jesus Christ and the gospel. Through the gospel of Jesus, what do you get? You get your Father in heaven being a Father to you, pouring out Himself through His Spirit. That's what the Bible's saying. To receive the Spirit is to receive everything that the Father has to give you. What more can the Father give you than His own divinity (laughs) through the Spirit and let His Holy Spirit, which is the third person of God Himself, dwell in you and you get everything of the Father. That's what it's saying. And from the Holy Spirit, if you believe in Jesus and receive God as your Father, and the Spirit starts beginning, it's not just Understanding a doctrine in your head. God himself puts everything into you. And there's two things particular that I'd like to offer you that will help you, I think, honor your father, even if he is deeply flawed. Number one, that is that your father, though you are evil, right, gave his son gave us everything for you. And so if you are have received Jesus Christ your Savior and then received have a Father in heaven, you know what you have? 
gift, grace upon grace upon grace. Your whole life, you know what you have? It's a call and is a gift of grace which fills everything. And if you have received the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and thus have your Father in heaven, you know what that means? That you can give grace to somebody else who doesn't deserve it. That's what it means. You may not feel like, I don't know how to do that. You know how you get that? You go to the well of grace. You swallow the gospel and you go to your Father and He fills you with the grace so deep and so overwhelming that to the person that you would not ever want to give any grace to, you're like, how come you are such a crappy dad? You're, he said performance to you, so you return to Him performance. He said, you better be this for me, so you turn to Him and says, you better be this for me. Instead, the Father gave you a son. He says, you weren't this for me, but I'll, give, I'll return grace to you. You could do this back to your father. You were a failed father to me, but I'll be a good daughter to you. You didn't love me this way, but I will forgive you and love you this way as your son. And only when you have the Holy Spirit from your Father in heaven, through the gospel, you have that. There is I'm, What I'm saying to you today is not just something to believe. This is power. There's a power to begin to do this. And I'm calling you today to believe it. Begin to believe it. Maybe it'll be hard at first to be, even just believe it. But just to first believe it. To return failure with grace. That's resource number two. Resource number three. If you have God as your Father and gives you His Spirit through the Gospel, you can live backwards to forwards, back to front. You're like, what the heck do you mean by that, Pastor? <laughs> if you have the Holy Spirit, you can live back to front. Here's what I mean. Um, as you guys know, uh, you know one of the, my favorite pastors who, who has... You know, influenced me so much that I've listened to is is Tim Keller. Tim Keller likes to say the gospel turns things, makes your life so that it makes things inside out, upside down, and he says backwards to forward. That's what he likes to say. Right? And um, I want to explain to you inside out and outside down. We'll say that in another sermon. But let me explain to you the, the third one. What is backwards to forwards? The gospel enables you to live backwards to forwards. What he's talking about is hope. That's what he's talking about. Let me be a little bit more technical. He's talking about eschatological hope. Eschatological? What the heck is you, what are you talking about, Pastor? That is a, like a big theological word that means ultimate, complete, when history is all complete, when we hit eternity, the final completed Everything, hope. That's what he's talking about. If you are a Christian, you know what we live in is we live in this odd time when Jesus has won the complete victory, but he has not given it to us all yet. And one day, one day you will live in a time when your city, there'll be all justice. In your heart, there'll be no more sin. There'll be no more 
Envy, there'll be no more covetousness. But you also know what it means? It also means every relationship will be made whole. Every relationship will be made whole. Isn't that incredible? Now, I know this is hard. Some of you, you're like, how will be made whole if my father didn't get saved? Right? I don't know. There's a deep wound in you, your father, hey, and maybe your father didn't get saved and he passed away. I don't know how God makes that whole, but he can. So that even then, you could honor your father. But especially for those of you who are Christians, now let me speak to those of you today who are Christians. And if you're, especially if your father is a Christian, or if your father has not passed away yet, and even if he isn't Christian, let me offer you this eschatological hope that you would live in the hope that at that time you will have a deep wholeness with your own dad and you can begin to live out of what is then at the, at the back end of things and you will let that come forward. That's what backwards for. If what is at the back end of all of history will come and you can live out of that today. And let me just close with this. I'll share with you too a little bit about, you know, and get into details about some of the things that are hard with my dad. Um, it's a lot better today. And I've been practicing this. So I want something that I've been sharing with you. I've been practicing this for many years. So I'm, 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 not always, I'm not always good at practicing what I preach. I have been practicing this sometimes not very well, <laughs> sometimes pretty badly. But this works, right? This backwards to forward eschatological hope. Um, you guys have heard me, if you've been in this church, talk about the New Jerusalem and the glorious city to come. And maybe you've heard, maybe a couple of you may have heard, heard me give this illustration. But um, I'd like to offer this to you. I believe in this. I long for this. I look forward to this. You know, my dad and I, we don't click on music. He likes Bach. Actually, I like Bach too. Right? Actually, he didn't even like Bach. I like Bach better than him. Right? He introduced Bach to me. He told me this was good. And now I think I listen to Bach better than he listens to Bach. He likes Beethoven. I like Beethoven. But you know what he doesn't know? He doesn't know Bono. <laughs> it's a different B. A great, masterful musician today. I think he's one of the greatest. He's, to me, at the, at, you know, if you want to talk about the great Bs, U2 is, is one of the greatest rock and roll bands ever, period, period. They're just one. If you want to ask me, who's one of the best rock and roll artists of all time? U2, period. Right. And so I'm like, Dad, you don't know Bono. And my dad doesn't, doesn't even know good food. He likes his Korean food. So he goes, let's go to a Chinese restaurant. You know what he always means? He always means Korean-style Chinese. That's what he always means. Because he, he only knows to taste the things that he likes. And so I love Chinese food, but whenever I have to eat Chinese food with my dad, it always has to be a Korean-style place. And I like Korean-style Chinese food. But come on, Dad. And if I said, let's go to that Chinese restaurant... We would go eat it. I would really enjoy, you know, like real Chinese food, or at least at least American. I don't know. It's probably not even real Chinese food, right? American real Chinese food, right? If we go to a Szechuan place, I would eat it, enjoy that food, and my dad, he would probably complain about it, and it would just tick me off. So I don't go to regular Chinese food, non-Korean-style Chinese food with my dad. And one day... I believe, I believe, not 
like a fairy tale. Not just as a hope, it's something I'm hoping for but it won't happen, but I know. As a hope that is sure. And that's what living backwards supports. You are something that is sure. And you hold that and you live out of the well of something that is sure. One day I will sit in a glorious city on a street. I don't know if it's be literally gold or not. I don't care. It'll be pristine and glorious. At a cafe with my dad. Or, and we'll go, Dad, let's go get some Chinese food. And it'll be like the greatest Chinese food ever. Because, of course, there's good Chinese food in heaven. Because then chi- heaven would be less than this world if there isn't good Chinese food to me. So I'm like, of course, there's got to be good Chinese food. And it's got to be awesome, right? And I'll go, Dad, let's go get good Chinese food. And he'll go, okay, let's try it. He'll go, and he won't complain. And I'll say, Dad, look at this. And he will get it. He will get me. Well, let's listen to some music, Dad. And we will listen to the music that was written by Bach collaborating with Bono, because they're both Christians. right? And they'll say, let's sing for Jesus. And we'll listen to this music and you'll hear that Baroque sound from Bach and you'll hear the rock and roll sound from Bono and you'll hear this song that goes up to Jesus and my dad and I will listen to that and we will connect under Jesus. I will eat that food that he gets and I get and we will connect. That's going to happen. It's going to happen. And as you begin to love and honor and pray for your father, would you set your mind on something like that and live backwards to forward and honor your father out of grace? Let's pray.